there, and welcome to Wilmington Writes, a WCTV podcast for Wilmington writers. On each episode, we feature a Wilmington writer who will read their work or an excerpt thereof and tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the selection they share. Let's listen in and see who's in the guest writer's chair today. Well, hello, friends. I know it's been a little bit since I've been with you. Welcome back to another episode of Wilmington Writes. This is lucky episode number 10, and I feel very fortunate today to have with me my new friend, Christine Ore. I wish I could say it French like you. The way I say it, it comes out Spanish-ish, kind of. Can you pronounce it in that beautiful French dialect? Yes, Christine Ore. Oh, that's lovely. So you are here to talk to us a little bit about your writing experiences. I know you've been writing for a long time. You did some writing for the Wilmington, Wilmington Advocate and also for Somerville paper as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself as we get this program underway. I've been a high school teacher and a college teacher, and that was like a 40-year career. I continue to substitute teach in the Wilmington Public Schools, mostly at the high school. Love the kids, love the teenagers, and um, that's, you know, and I've written and volunteered, and I'm really big supporter of the library, the Friends of the Library. And that's how we met. That's how we met. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. All right. So, your next the next question is, when did you start writing? Oh, that's I a I think tough I've one. always been a writer. Like most uh, young people, uh, I, I say most because I do think this is true even for boys. Um, people keep, you know, kids keep diaries, journals, they write down things. I think girls more than boys, but even you look at things like Diary of a Wimpy Kid and some of the, um, you know, the things that come out in diary form written by boys as well as girls. I think it's always been a great outlet for people to express their ideas, their opinions, their worries. So I've always kept diaries, journals. I'll hear something, I'll write it down. I have so many of them, and I keep saying I'm going to take them all and just condense them, but that's a work in progress. I totally understand that. So why do you think you write? I know before we started the program, you said it's almost therapeutic for you. I do why believe do you it's do it? ther- yeah, I do believe it's therapeutic. But also, it's just a nice exercise. I love to read. I love books. And sometimes it, For me, at least, when I started writing for the Somerville Journal and the Wilmington Advocate, I wrote a guest commentary uh, once a month for a year. It was a challenge. Mm. I wanted to challenge myself. I would read something and I would think, I can do that. I have ideas and opinions. So one day I did. I wrote something and I sent it to the Somerville Journal. And they immediately got back to me, literally within five minutes. I just emailed it to the to the editor, and she said, can we print this? <gasps> wow. I was taken aback. So you just, What did it feel like when you saw it, the paper? Did you go out and buy every copy, you know, like we see in the movies? Um, <laughs> I, I probably bought a few, but yes. it was just very, it was a very cool feeling yes. to see your name in print, and also to think that somebody might be interested in what you're interested in. Right. I guess it would it validated probably what you were doing. Right. Which must have felt amazing. Yeah. And I I was a teacher at the time at Somerville High School. So I also felt that I was a really good role model for my students. Right. Because all of a sudden I could bring in the paper and say, you know, I'm a writer. Like this is what I write. So 
you can do this too. I love that. Yeah. Anything you're working on currently now? I'm constantly working on different stories. I have ideas and I write them down. I'm revising a lot of um, things that I've written from before because you write something and you take a look at it the next day and you're like, this is garbage. <laughs> so We writers I'm, are so self-critical. So I'm constantly rewriting and editing and taking a second look at things. And then I just did that and then resubmitted um, a story to Woman's World. Oh, wow. So I haven't heard back, but it's very competitive. Yes. Yeah. Well, how do you feel? Have you ever had any rejections? Oh, yeah. How do you, how, what's that feel like when oh, that happens? You know, to me... On to the next. Right. I, know, I think I think in it, this, especially now, I think, in the, again, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of great writers. Yes. I just think it's, um, it's you're almost expected. <laughs> really? So it's no big deal. But it's like everything. It's like if you don't try, if you don't kind of send these things out to the universe and just see what happens... Um, then you never you never do anything. Sure, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. So plus, it's a numbers game. Every no will eventually right. get you to the yes. You just have to find somebody who sees your vision. I mean, you're not going to send your work to Popular Mechanics because that's not going to fit. So you have to find right what venue or what medium, I guess, fits for your type of work. But I think it's good to read a lot of different things. Like you mentioned, Popular Mechanics. You can pick up a copy of that and look at the type of articles they write. And what you do is you say, okay, is there something that I know about or that I can research mm. and submit that? And, you you know, you look at what they're looking for. So right. So that's in terms of writing for magazines, mm. which is which can be lucrative, but, again, a lot of competition. Right. Um, you, have to, you have to look at your target audience. Good and point. look at what they're, what they're publishing. Right, because it's all marketing. In yes. the end, yes. now, I don't know what it was like, say, 50, 60 years ago, but the world was different. Now, with the advent of computers and yes. the way things can quickly move forward and our ideas are being shared so much that I think things reach critical mass much more quickly. And print you just know. is, I don't want to say it's dying out because that would make me very sad. Right. But print is a lot different than it was, whether it's books, magazines. Right. And there are things that are online, and even the stories that I've written for Women's World that have been published, they're also online. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, the pendulum <laughs> does swing both ways, right? Absolutely. So eventually, if we live long enough, God willing, we'll see it go back to mm-hmm. something else. It might be in a slightly different form, but I think that idea of the spoken and written word will always be absolutely what makes us human. I think it's yes. important and yes. necessary, and that is my commercial for <laughs> books, right? right? Okay. Do you have any creative rituals you use to get yourself in the mood to write? Not really. Sometimes I'll just have kind of a lull in the program and I'll just say, okay, you know, I have nothing going on tonight mm. or today and or it'll be like a cloudy, rainy day and I'll just take up, re- revisit something that I wrote or decide to start something new. Mm-hmm. I have no real rituals. It's it just, just happens whenever yeah. the mood strikes. That's right. interesting. Some people have special pens or special tea no, or whatever. No. All right. What suggestions might you have for fellow writers or creators? Ooh. I always say just read. 
read a little bit of everything. Don't, you know, some people just like they only like mysteries or they only, but I think you really have to read across genres and where if, if I'm in a supermarket, I'll pick up a magazine or something that I would never buy, but I'll just pick it up and like read something. Or if I'm at the library, I'll, I'll look at a magazine or uh, a, a book that I probably won't check out, that I won't, you know, read, but I'll just open it to something and I'll see. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think that helps you be a better writer? I think reading definitely helps you yeah, be a better Yeah, I would writer. have to say yes, because yes. if you're pigeonholed into only a certain mm-hmm. way of thinking, mm-hmm. how, that, I don't know that that's creative. Right, you have to you know? read all genres. Um, I, I know in, in uh, high school, the, the kids are saying, but we're not interested in this. And I'm like, you don't really have to be interested. Right. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you should be interested. But, yeah. you know, it's you're just being exposed to something that you wouldn't ordinarily. And I found that with book clubs. Mm. People, you know, we I was in a book club and that's how I got started on the Friends of the Library. And so we'd have these suggestions and I would read books and I'm like, I would never have picked <laughs> this book up. But I loved it. Right. So. I think book clubs are great because they expose you to genres that you right. probably wouldn't pick for yourself. I think it's like art. You yes. know, you go to a museum and, yep. and they say, you've got to see this painting and you might look at it and say, right. what is this? You know, But it helps you, I think, also to connect with other people because once you've seen something, there makes that connection that might have right. not been there before. Yeah. And I think the more you expose to things, yourself to things, the more connected you can be to other people, right. which I think is the goal. Just keep an open mind and also you learn new vocabulary. Like like you mentioned, you pick up a science uh, book or... You, and you, this this new vocabulary, it's like vocabulary is constantly evolving and changing mm-hmm. in, in every language. And it's great because you're, again, you're just exposed to something new. That's true. I mean, yeah. and you, we were talking a little bit about your experiences in France when mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. there. I, I would love to, I, I speak some <laughs> Spanish, I can't really mm-hmm. read it that well, but I would love to be able to speak other languages because, as you said to me, and now we're going to talk about it, um, you think reading your work out loud is really important to do. And I would love to be able to do that in other languages because, to me, uh, that is like a song. The mm-hmm. mu- the, mm-hmm. It's music to me. When you read poetry or a book, it's really like music to me, and I would love to be able to read it in its true original language. But I don't have enough time in my life to learn <laughs> all the languages that they are. But I think what you're speaking to is is kind of helping to make yourself a more well-rounded and person. It's, it's difficult to read your own writing. Yeah. It's difficult. Well, because we're so self-critical. Right. And I know you brought in something today that you're going to share with us, and you're re-editing it as you're driving (laughs) in today, right? Okay. If we'd like to read more of your work, how can we do that? So I think what I'm going to do is suggest what I've generally done on this podcast. If you would like to hear more of Christine's amazing work, she brought a tiny piece today, but she's got lots of other stuff you can read. Uh, You can reach out to me, Lisa, L-I-S-A, at WCTV.org, and I will connect you with Christine If you would like to hear more or if you want to just kind of chat with her a little bit, we will make sure you're connected. So what piece will you be sharing with us today? You sent me three pieces to read. I loved them all. It was very tough to pick one. But what are you sharing with us today and what's it about? Okay, so um, this piece is um, a story uh, that 
I submitted to Woman's World. I've had a couple of stories actually printed, and they pay. They, they pay well. It's, That's it's nice. It's kind of like flash fiction. They want 800 words and mm. not, not more, and they, they'll edit it, and then they're great, great editors. So um, mostly they want a typical kind of boy meets girl you know, meet cute kind of story. Right. There has to be conflict because every story has conflict. Right. Um, I, with this particular story, I took a different, um, a different view. I wanted to have it be more older people mm. kind of reassessing their life after, uh, you know, a lot of time has gone by mm-hmm. and now they're empty nesters and so kind that of... That makes sense. Yeah. Because Women's Day... I read it, and I'm in my late 50s. So I think your target market is not going to be the teen. Most people buy Women's World, I would say, in the grocery store. That's where I usually get it. If you look at it, it's very, it comes out weekly, and it's all over the United States and Canada. It's very wide uh, distribution. So do they pay you per word or per piece? Yes, they pay. Now, I know that from Sex and the City, because Carrie was the writer on Sex and the City, and she used to talk about how much she would get per word. word. So when they say 800 words, that's why, because Mm -hmm. they're paying Mm -hmm. you so much per Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Wow. To chop it down to that, that had to be tough. It's it's hard to write 800 words. It's like you just keep, you know, cutting it and cutting it and cutting it. But it's a very good exercise. Okay, so tell us what it is and then have at it. Okay, so um, I'll start it out that when you uh, submit to Women's World, they want like a little kind of a, two, a one sentence. So it says, Empty nesters, Henry and Rita relive the poignant memory of Henry's first love. Oh. Rita's cherished sister, Ellen. Wow. So they're selling the house, the house is sold. They're going through the house, um, and it starts out with Henry kind of going through the house. So I'll just read a part of it. Okay, great. Henry paced through each room of the house, taking stock. Keepers, giveaways, items to toss. He stopped in the dining room and picked up a framed photograph strategically posed on the carved wooden mantel. Henry, Rita, and Ellen caught in a lighthearted moment 20 years ago. Gazing at their youthful faces, a twinge of sadness caused Henry's head to droop. Ellen, limitless source of family love and pride, was no longer with them. Henry flashed back to the past, remembering Ellen, how confident she had appeared that first day at the firm, how he had been insanely drawn to her, the studious legal secretary eager to absorb every aspect of the law. Enthusiastic and tireless, she worked a long day, attended night classes at the State University, and volunteered weekends at nonprofits serving poor families. And Henry had been the idealistic, self-centered lawyer, out to prove himself, networking, hoping to make partner. One day, Ellen had boldly approached him. I'm making a coffee run. Can I get anything, counselor? She had asked, batting long eyelashes. The flirtations escalated from there. Little favors, light touches. He had been beyond flattered, especially since three, since three other young lawyers had been vying for Ellen's attention, attracted by her chocolate-brown wavy hair, green eyes, lightly freckled skin, full lips, and tiny, even teeth. Ellen drove them wild in sheer blouses, tight skirts, and heels. But Henry had been cautious, professional, even timid, 
The gold ring reader wore on a chain around her neck hinted that she was pining for someone else. Nevertheless, Henry was smitten and he pursued her. Their love was short-lived. A door slammed, rousing Henry into the present. Henry, Rita shouted, Henry, are you in the kitchen? No, he replied, I'm in here, dear, just beginning the triage. Though sisters Rita and Ellen shared some personality traits and mannerisms, Rita was taller, sturdy and athletic, with lighter hair and hazel eyes. Her clothes were stylish but practical, easy to move in, knits and sweats. Rita had been a physical education teacher until the kids came along. First Julie, then the twins, Robbie and Amy. I've got a bunch of errands, Rita bounded in, list in hand. I promised Amy and Robbie I'd send their monthly care packages. You know how much they love getting homemade goodies. You'd think that expensive university would have better food. And Julie's coming over later. I told her we'd take her to dinner. She's been working like crazy since she got her job in the ER. I hope she meets a doctor. Henry? Henry? Are you listening? Rita rustled her list near his face. Yes, dear, always, Henry focused, smiling at Rita. Care packages for the twins, dinner with Julie. Rita glanced down and took the photo, still in Henry's hands. They stood facing each other, frozen for a moment. Rita broke the silence. Ellen was so beautiful in every way. She was perfect, Rita whispered, tearing up. Henry nodded. She set the photo back on the mantel. Henry, she sighed, do you regret? I mean, you loved Ellen. Was I the consolation prize? Oh, my Lord. I, I, goosebumps. I, I want to know what happened. And that is a very complicated situation. I have sisters. So I can only imagine what made Henry make the choice he made. But to find that out, we will have to read more. <laughs> I loved um, some of the, the images that you used. I could see the mantle in my head. And how you talked about her teeth, how they were perfectly even and square. Mm-hmm. I really like that. That was so good. Well... Again, you're trying to have the reader visualize right. what, the, what these two sisters may have looked like yes, and the differences between them, but yet possibly similarities. Yes. And now I'm wondering, did Rita know? Well, she must have because Consolation Prize. Well, to find out more, we'll have to read some more, won't we? Oh, that was electrifying. I really enjoyed that. There has to be conflict, even in the, the, the most, you know, Sim- simple love stories. Right. If there isn't conflict in a story or something that needs to get resolved, um, there what's, is no yeah, story. Yeah, what's the point for there the reader? Because no they can't immerse themselves in it. Right. I think, too, um, talking about the moral fiber and things of today, those kinds of things that you wrote about did happen years ago. We just didn't talk about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now things are so much in the forefront, we talk about it more. But I think that's why the story resonates with our times now as much as it would have, because this is, you're saying it's an older couple. So they've obviously been married for a long time because they've had the two kiddos who were in college. Right. And you get all that from the immersion in the way that you wrote. Mm-hmm. It's really lovely. Well, my dad was one of six boys, and my mom dated his older brother before she dated him. 
Dun dun dun. <laughs> there's your there's your That's muse. how she met him through your, through through the through the you know, the dating with the older brother yeah. that didn't work out as, right. as she met. <laughs> Isn't that funny what uh, what inspires us in life? You mm-hmm. just never know, do mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Well I want to thank you so much, Christine, for your sharing your work with us and for being here today. And it was um, my pleasure. thank you. Thank you, thank you, you listeners me. for listening. It's been another exciting episode and come back to us again soon for more. Thank you for joining us for Wilmington Rights. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast or know a Wilmington resident who should be, shoot us an email at lisa at wctv.org. That's L-I-S-A at wctv.org. And we'll reserve your spot in the guest writer's chair. Until next time, keep writing, keep reading, and keep listening.